John chapter 1 and starting to read at verse 5, and and we're going to read through to the end of the chapter. Here John writes, This is the message that we have heard from Him and now proclaim to you, that God is light. In Him there is no darkness at all. If we say that we have fellowship with Him while we walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light as He is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus, His Son, cleanses us from all sin. Now, if we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. But if we confess our sins, He is faithful, and He is just. And He will forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say that we have not sinned, we make Him a liar. And His Word is not in us. Lord, would You speak Your Word into our lives? Would your light shine clearly in our hearts as we look at what John has written here in this letter to us? Would you show us your truth so that we can walk in your light? In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Humans are meant to live in light. Have you ever spent any extended time in in real darkness, like total darkness. Uh, There has been studies that have gone on that have put people in those kinds of places to see what are the effects of prolonged exposure to darkness. Or uh, maybe it's it's better to say uh, 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 prolonged um, absence of light in their lives. And there are some some very dramatic things that happen to the human body, to the human mind, in that kind of total darkness. I think one of the things that, that, that I have experienced is that when we are in that place of total darkness, we find ourselves open to all kinds of deceptions. I know that I felt a little gullible when I went into one of the caves in the Black Hills of South Dakota. We did one of those tours down deep into one of those big caverns, and and they've got all the lights strung along the walls and stuff. But we came to this one cavern, and the tour guide said, okay, I want you just to be prepared. I want you to experience total darkness. And so she shut off the lights. And there we were, 
without any source of light, no little crack or anything. There was no phosphorescence in any of the, in any of the, the algae or anything that was growing on the walls. There was nothing. And she invited us to, to put our hands in front of our face. And, and I tried so hard to see something there. I got my hand as close as I could to try and see something there. I couldn't. I was, I was desperate to find some kind of light, something that my eyes could grab onto and focus on, but there was just nothing. And then the tour guide said, if you, if you wiggle your fingers together in front of your face really fast, there is some static electricity that will make little sparks and you'll be able to see a little bit of light. So there I was, desperately trying to wiggle my fingers as fast and rub them together as fast as I could, and suddenly she turned on the lights. And there I was, looking like an idiot. Everybody else was laughing at me while I was desperately trying to make some static electricity. If you ever go to the South, uh, to the, uh, to the South Dakota, to the Black Hills, don't fall for that. It doesn't happen. You won't get any light out of wiggling fingers together. Uh, there was another opportunity that I had of, of, of spelunking, of going deep into a cave. Denise and I, uh, the year that we got married, we went to Austria and went through uh, the Cape Ray School there that Indiana was just at here this last spring. Indiana and Emily were at. And uh, we went through a program that was called Upward Bound, and it was a, a Bible program that we did all kinds of Bible teaching while we were out mountaineering, hiking through the mountains, rock climbing, cave spelunking, whitewater rafting, all kinds of outdoor adventure sorts of things. And um, it was, it was a, a great opportunity, but we had the chance to go and walk into this huge cave and spend the night there. So we, we went, there was, I guess, probably about 30, maybe 40 students and some staff that went along with us. And so we spent probably about eight hours or so climbing through these cavernous caves. And, and we had the, the little um, helmets with, with the little light. There, there was, and I forget the mineral, there was some kind of mineral that was in this pack that we were carrying and a little bit of water in there, and you turned on the drip of water, and as the water dripped on this, this mineral, it gave off some kind of gas that would then go up the tube into a light that you would then have a little sparker up here, and you could flick it and it would turn a flame on so you could see where you were going. And that way you didn't have to worry about running out of batteries or anything. As long as you had the mineral, as long as you had water, you are going to be okay. So we were climbing through these caverns, and you would go through these uh, uh, fissures in, in, the, in the rock, and there would be these huge drop-offs that would just go down and down forever. You couldn't see the bottom of them, and we have to edge our way around. Uh, there were some places where, where you'd, you'd get very, very small, and there was this one spot where we had to actually take our packs off and push them up ahead of us because there wasn't enough room between the rock and the bottom floor for us and our pack to fit in together. And So we'd have to push that through, and, and as you were going through, that was a little bit of a freaky place because the, the air pressure 
pressure transfer from the inside of the cave to the outside created a lot of wind through that. It it was this funnel of wind that went through. And so as soon as you went down in there, it would blow at your flame. So you're in this this place that is right tight, like there's just barely enough room to fit through. And, And I'm in there thinking there is an entire mountain of rock on top of me. That if the earth decided to shift just an inch, I was going to be splatted. So you're crawling through this, and it was probably about 20 yards or so that we had to go through in this darkness with our pack pushing in front of us. And then we came out on the other side, and it opened into this huge cathedral of a cavern. It was absolutely massive with a waterfall that was running down inside of there. And, and as we all gathered together and shone our lights around, we were in this most spectacular place you had ever seen. Our guide, who was a shepherd who had grown up in that area, he said that as far as recorded history has been, this is as far as anybody has ever gotten into this cave until he and his friends found a path up the waterfall. And when I say path, I don't mean a path. They scrambled up over the rocks and they had to climb for about 100 meters up this waterfall to find another opening where they could then continue on. Are you ready for this? 14 days into the mountain. So these guys had to pack enough gear to be able to go 14 days into the mountain and then another 14 days back out. And he started describing some of the, uh, the changes that started to happen in their lives in that experience, in that prolonged darkness. They had to try and conserve all of their light and everything. So there was huge stretches of time where they were, where they were crawling around with very little light or no light at all where they were just feeling their way along so that they wouldn't run out of light. They, they were trying to reserve their resources. And he said, there are some strange things that happen to your mind when you're in that kind of darkness for that length of time. He says, one of the things we first started recognizing was our sleep patterns were all wacky. Our, our, our perception of the passage of time was completely off. Fortunately, they did have watches, but there was a guy who did a study uh, who tried and spent a full year, I think it was 365 days um, that he was, that he was in, in total blackness. Uh, he says he completely lost track of time. He was convinced that he'd only been in there about 200 days. He had been trying desperately to figure out how long he had been in there and totally messed up. They say that in that kind of a setting, most people revert to a 48-hour internal clock where they will be uh, active for about 36 hours and then sleep for 12 uh, that's typically what happens in those kinds of settings. Uh, so, so Hans Pather was saying that, that this was the first thing that they noticed was their perception of time, how long things were taking, uh, just totally was skewed. They also started getting very depressed. Uh, the absence of light does something to our emotional state uh, that causes this, this heaviness 
to go with us. And, and we see that, you know, people who have uh, seasonal, uh, SAD, what is that, seasonal effects? There we go, that's the word. Seasonal affective disorder. That, uh, that they go through, through the winter months, they get very depressed because they don't have light. And one of the things that they do to remedy that is to, to expose themselves to ultraviolet light uh, on a regular basis. And that seems to, to make a difference. Uh, he, Hans Peter was saying that, that they were getting very depressed and, and getting very irritable with each other. These were good friends, but they were getting quite snappy with one another. And and, and one of the other things that he said that, that they found was they became very possessive. They didn't let any of the other guys touch their gear at all. All of that stuff became very important. And, and, and the place where they would sleep became their place. And, and you didn't want anybody else to touch. These studies that have shown humans in darkness over long periods of time have revealed that humans need light. We were built to live in light, which is very interesting when John then says that God is light. I think it's entirely reasonable for us to make that connection, to say that humans need God. That when humans live in separation or absence from God, it does some very degrading things to our mind, to our emotions, to our bodies because we are absent from light. Here in John's letter, uh, the emphasis on God as light in this particular part of the passage seems to, to point to light as being truth. Now, as we go on, we're going to see this, uh, this idea of light being expanded on. And we talked about that last week, how, how John has this amplification. He uses amplification where he comes back to these three themes of, of light and love and life again and again and builds on them each time. And so we're going to come back to this idea of God as light and see it grow and build a little bit. But here in this passage, it seems to be a connection between God as light pointing to God as truth. Look at the verses together with me. In verse 6, If we say we have fellowship with Him while we walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. So here's this connection between if we claim that we know God, that we have fellowship with God, and yet we are absent from the truth about God, we're liars. Verse 8, again, if we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. God wants us to come to Him in light, in truth, recognizing that yes, there is weaknesses within us. Yes, there is sin. There is a, a propensity within our heart to be opposed to the things of God. 
And if we try and fool ourselves to think that we can come to God in our own righteousness, in our own ability, in our own good works, we deceive ourselves. We're blinding ourselves. We're letting ourselves get caught in darkness to think that we have no sin. Verse 10, continuing on, if we say we have not sinned, we make Him a liar. John just up the ante a little bit more. It's not just that we are deceiving ourselves. It's not just that we are lying to everybody else. But we're claiming that God is a liar. This connection between God as light and and God as truth for us to understand Him as He truly is and to understand ourselves as we truly are is a key component to this teaching that God is light. You remember last week we were talking about the context of 1 John, that, that, that a lot of 1 John here is addressing false teachers that were coming out into uh, these uh, churches in, in Asia Minor. And, and we identified uh, probably one of the key individuals that, 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 uh, that John was referring to in this letter, Serinthus. Serinthus, who, who had some very skewed ideas about who God was and what He had done. Some of the things that, that, that uh, we know from history, from the writings of the church fathers, of, of the things that Serinthus believed, he denied that God, the Almighty God, was the one who created everything. Instead, he had a, a, a more platonic kind of a, an understanding of creation and said there was a, a lesser power. A, a demiurge that created the universe without the action or the calling of the Almighty God. So he, he was already laying up uh, uh, other deities that were actively involved in, in this world, in the spiritual realm. He also denied the virgin birth. He said that Mary and Joseph had just come together and had this baby Jesus through natural processes and said that this Jesus then grew up and at the point of of baptism, that's when the Spirit of Messiah came upon Him and He became the Christ. And then as he went through his three years of ministry, he then came to the crucifixion. And because the Spirit of Christ was spiritual and could not in his mind be killed or be hurt in any way, the Spirit of Christ then left Jesus and it was just Jesus the man who was then hanging there on the cross and died for our sins. Again, a misunderstanding, a, a, a deception, a, a, a misreading, a, a, a lie about who Jesus is. And so John wanted to address these particular issues, these lies, and that's why he wanted to identify that God is light, that He is truth, and that if we are to come to God in a way that is that is 
effective in our spiritual life that is actually going to deal with the sin that we have within our lives, we need to come to God in truth. We need to approach God as He truly is. And if we try and and twist and, and, and create God in our own image and in the things that we want Him to look like, we have no fellowship with Him at all. But instead, we are walking in darkness. And John wants us to understand that there is this, this importance of coming to Christ as He truly is in His light, in His truth. There is something very interesting that's going on here, and I don't know if you caught it as we were reading about it. But in in verse 6, he says, if we say that we have fellowship with Him while we walk in darkness, if we say that we have fellowship with God while we walk in darkness, he then says uh, that we lie and do not practice the truth. And then in verse 7, he makes this interesting next step. He says, but if we walk in the light, if we walk in the truth of God, as He is in truth, in light, we have fellowship with who? With one another. Verse 6, he was talking about fellowship with God, and now he's saying that when we are in light, we have fellowship with one another. And suddenly John takes us... uh, on a road that I think many of us are quite uncomfortable with. The reality that our relationship with God is directly connected with our relationship with others. That if we are to to walk with God in His light, in His truth, It's going to necessitate us having fellowship with one another. There is this direct link. We cannot be connected with God if we aren't in fellowship with one another. In in, in a society, in a culture that is becoming increasingly self-centered, creating creating an environment where I am most comfortable, where everything is all about what makes me happy, what feeds my needs, what, what gives me fulfillment. This, this message can be hard. That we need each other in order to be able to have fellowship with God. And, and as, as we have a wrong idea of who God is, as we deceive ourselves about the, the truth, the light about who God is, and, and when we deceive ourselves about, about the truth of who we are, it breaks our fellowship with other believers. This is going to be something that, 
that John is going to, to pick up more. And again, as we go through this process of amplification, we're going to discover not only does our relationship with God impact our relationship with one another, but the converse is also true. That our honesty, our truth with one another impacts our relationship with God. And if we say that we have fellowship with God, but we don't love our brother, again, we lie and do not tell the truth. So how do we respond to this message that God is light? I think John's point in all of this of starting off his letter with this important theme is recognizing that we have to know God for who He truly is. And how do we know God as He truly is? First off starts with allowing the Holy Spirit to guide and direct us. That it is through our relationship with the Spirit as we focus on the Spirit that He then guides us into what is true and knowable about God. We know that the Spirit is not going to say anything that is contrary to God's Word. And so there is also a, a, a direct connection for us to be in the Word of God to allow everything that we say about who God is, everything that we understand about how we relate to God, has to be grounded in what is here. If we allow what seems right from from a human point of view, if, if we allow our culture to, to dictate how we understand who God is, His nature, His character, we're going to find ourselves in darkness. We are going to get trapped in the lies and deceptions that will lead us further and further away from God. And that's why this is such an essential part of our lives that we know this Word. That we immerse ourselves in this on a daily basis. So that we know the things that God has said about Himself here. That we know the things that God has said about us, what He has said here. So that we don't get sucked into the lies and deceptions of our world that will try and get us to create a God that feels good to us rather than a God who truly is good for us. So are you walking in the light? Are you spending your life, the days and moments of your, of your weeks, allowing God to, to shine His light into your life? To your understanding of who He is through this book. 
through the work of His Spirit. I should also say that we understand who God is. We walk in His light through our fellowship with one another. That we help each other understand what this book has to say. And so it is through, through our dependence on the Spirit to allow Him to illuminate this book. As we, as we put ourselves into a position of study and meditation and, and, and immersing ourselves in these words that we hear the things that God has to say and we recognize who He truly is. And as we connect in fellowship with one another and allow the, the Spirit to speak to us through His people. then we can say we're walking in the light. Then we can have confidence that we are experiencing God as He truly is. And through that, we have fellowship with one another. That He binds our hearts together in the midst of all of our differences, in the midst of all of our uniquenesses, in the midst of all of our different priorities and and passions in life, in the midst of all of our experiences. God takes all of that and molds us into something beautiful that honors Him that draws us into a place of relationship and fellowship with Him for His glory and for the building of His kingdom. Let's pray. Lord, it is so easy for us to fool ourselves that darkness is light. Lord, we want to know You as You truly are. To walk in Your light, in in the truth of Your revelation of Yourself. Let us be a family a family that is focused on the truth of your nature, of your character. Let us encourage one another to go to the Word more and more, to hear the words that you have revealed about who you are. Guard us from the deceptions uh, that would pull us into other directions that would, that, that would get us into uh, misunderstandings or, or misrepresentations of who You are. Thank You that You have adopted us to be children of light. And as we have fellowship with one another, Lord, we then ask that you would send us out into this world to be agents of that light. Father, that we would see others in our community and our world rescued from the kingdom of darkness and brought into your glorious light. Would we have the joy of seeing that happen? Would we be active participants in that for your glory and for your kingdom. 
Amen.